Welcome to the fourth and final week of All Horror October 2021's Beer in a Movie, the podcast where we combine the two greatest art forms known to humanity, beer and movies, and, and, and in October, horror. I'm melancholy tonight because it's over. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, Although uh, sometimes giving ourselves the opportunity to wash a terrible taste of failure out of our mouth, and sometimes there's great movies, and Parents. tonight... You might remember if you're a big time. Oh, my name's Joe Hilliard. I'm, of course, with two great guys. Dave Gurney. Carlos Cooper. You might remember last year's All Horror October F for Fulci about uh, the, the great Italian horror director uh, came out. So we did a Italian pairing. We did that documentary along with his zombie or zombie two. Right. Uh, and so this year we decided to wrap up because if you listened last week, we didn't know what the hell we were doing this week. Yeah. We, it came we more together than we on, but perfectly. That, I think we've got two great films to I sink agree. our teeth in, but first we got to get the beer oh. something in our glass. So real curveball for the horror finale here. Um, for, to pair with our first film, we are not doing a beer at all. What? <laughs> we are uh, drinking sake, which there is some precedent for. We have done this once before. This is a Junmai Nigori sake from Joto, uh, which is a sake company founded in 2005. Um, they've selected very few sakes for import, and they tried many Nigori's before choosing this one just for us. Nigori or unfiltered sake is pressed through a coarse mesh that allows some rice solids through, giving it a cloudy appearance. So we've gone hazy here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is an original joke that I made up and just said for the first time. Uh, not one that I stole from David, <laughs> who said it off mic. Uh, this Junmai Nagori is bright and lively with fresh tropical notes, creamy and almost chewy on the palate. Joto Nagori pairs well with spicy Asian foods served chilled. So we are going to we get that chilled. Uh, break I, into this. When I got into sushi, I got into it with a, a couple of guys took me under their wing to learn sushi, right? Because it can be an intimidating thing if you've never sure, done it before. Being so, introduced was, to any new cuisine sure. or film for that matter, filmmaking. And so we drank hot sake, right? Yeah. And then I read an article or something about how hot sake is like trash. Like it's what the it's what people like laugh at tourists for drinking. Yeah. But really refrigerated sake is the way to go. You drink it like a cool bottle of wine. Yeah. And then um so I moved in that direction and then this uh the um nigori that unfiltered that's what I get every single time it's got that fruity flavor. Yeah. It's got body to it. Yeah. And it uh, should. I'm glad that we're doing it but if we're drinking sake, there has to be a reason. Well, we so we went overseas, as, as Joe kind of already t- tipped our hand, uh, to be able to take in some... How do other national traditions do horror? Or are there others that we could identify? We looked at Italy last year, glimpsed at Italy. This year we decided to travel to Japan. Yes. And I'm excited that we did because there's so much... I mean... 
I'm sure anybody listening knows The Ring and Grudge, and we didn't do those, though, though, but those are great films that, uh, you know, sort of touched off that moment of J-horror in the late 90s, early 2000s, when sure. everybody got excited. We're going to look at one of those films that was kind of caught up in that, though I think it stands out from the pack. Mm-hmm. We'll save that for the second half of the episode. The top here, the first half, is that the top or the bottom when you're talking about an inning? Top. We're at the top. Okay. The top of this episode, it's, we're going it's Mr. Sports further. Guy. This is not a baseball podcast. <laughs> we're going, yeah, definitely not Go Stros. I'm doing it. <laughs> are, you, are you a Stroh's guy? I guess. No, I don't care about baseball. Oh, okay, all right. But I uh, am aware of what's happening in in our culture. realm i mean yeah. This, yeah where we are that's a big deal uh anyhow we decided to go further back more to the roots of the genre at least in the japanese context to be able to see uh, a film from the 60s 1964 mm-hmm. the film is oni baba and f- fans of the criterion collection made, that's how i came to know this film honestly was it was one of those that i saw it show up on the criterion label back in whatever it was, the early 2000s, going to the video store, it was my regular practice to pick up whatever was new coming out on Criterion to rent, you know, whatever. That's how yeah. I saw Jacques Tati, It's not a bad way to learn film. Yeah. It's not a bad way to stumble onto something amazing. No. To pick um, anything out of the Criterion And so one collection. of them I saw was Onibaba. And I'll just, you know, set it up. It's a f- simple story set in, is it 1400s? Yeah. Like during a civil war era 14th in Japan. 14th century, so 1300s. I right. Think. Significant warring clans, factions. The country is torn apart. We we are focusing on two women, uh, an older woman, though not all that old. Though they keep calling her old woman, which is good. Uh, but I mean, for, if you're thinking about the 1300s, no, I mean, your right. life expectancy was not what but it is. But for today. our standards, it's yeah. just funny to see somebody younger the actress than me is being like called the old woman constantly. Yeah, yeah. right. right. Um, anyhow, which is the new 29. <laughs> the older woman, the younger woman, paired together because the older woman has a son who's married to the younger woman, but he's off at war. He's in battle, so they're kind of on their own. They've taken to robbing passing strangers of murdering uh, yeah murdering and often they're deserters often they're warriors who have left battle and so they're kind of technically illegals or however that would maybe this isn't as frowned upon as we would think and taking these men down stealing whatever armor and weaponry they had selling it to a fencer a guy who would sell this you know stuff to other people and in return for food for basic grain and millet yeah so um they're living the subsistence lifestyle mostly thieving not really able to grow much of a crop uh and well, they had a summertime freeze that decimated their crop right, it right. turns out until this guy shows up who they have a you know a relationship with he was their neighbor um he had gone off to war with the son and he reports that the son has died in very callous fashion i might add right um it's reports kind of a dick. That, <laughs> Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, And that leaves the women in a strange position, right? Where husband has died, son has died. He was the main provider for the family. They've had this failure of this crop. They're in a tight spot. And the guy kind of takes advantage of it. There's a bit of a weird love triangle that goes on. um, And it leads the older woman to eventually take some drastic action that results in some bad turns of events for herself. How deliberate how, how specific should i get with well, this in the synopsis because it's a pretty late stage yeah it's a third act turn absolutely maybe maybe we don't need to get that specific in the synopsis just yet but now that we kind of have the overview the table set, of it yeah. the table set i mean this is something that is is a story that it was adapted from a buddhist right. like, parable or yeah fable loosely, or whatever it, very it, it, very yeah, loosely yeah, yeah. is is very much taken out of its original context and 
adapted to be more secular, to have uh, a lot more to say about sexuality and mm-hmm. gender and those kinds of things. Um, and so I think that's also an interesting aspect to this film and something to kind of think about, I think. Yeah. A, a, a little bit going into it. Um, I, yeah. Joe and I, we did talk a little bit right before we started recording because he, we were here earlier than you. Sure, were. sure. And uh, maybe an hour into this movie, Kylie looked over at me and was like, "This is for all horror October." <laughs> and I was, similar story. And I was like, "Yeah, yeah <laughs> similar story." We picked the second film that we'll talk about today up top, and we knew we wanted to pair it with something from Japan. And so we kind of scroll through those lists, the top 20 little Japan, yeah, Jap- J-horror films of all time. And Onibaba has this iconographic still that is on the cover of the DVD and on the poster of the... Rightfully so. It's yeah. a striking... It once it gets yeah. introduced... Of a, of, a, of a Hanya mask. Powerful. Yeah, and yeah. It's, uh, it's a mask. That I, in fact, I, had, I have never seen this film before now. I had seen that still mm-hmm. in magazines or like on, the, on the internet. Um, it is in black and white. The film is shot in black and white. Yeah. 1964 didn't need to be necessarily, but it's shot in black and white. And the setting... It's uh, a cost thing, right? It, probably. At the time still, yeah. yeah. The setting well, even now. is a, a, a swampland, marshland, with yeah. this like six, seven foot tall uh, reeds a lot or of grass. grasses. <laughs> a lot of grass in this film. That yes. is, you know, towers, not yeah. towers, but is... but It hides when you. People when you can through move it, through it and if you want to be undetected, you sure. can. If you want to... And, and the film opens on a hole, and you know, that, which is almost a character of the film, <laughs> this hole, and uh, we'll talk about what happens in this hole. But other than that, it's swaying grasses and wind. There's and, a lot of... Yeah, and this like percussive, jazzy music... That sets pretty the, spare though. That yeah, sets. Pretty, yeah, I'm talking about the very beginning. Oh yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Sets like, this tone yeah. of mystery. Mm-hmm. Sets this tone. It, it, we we talk about ra- rating films almost like should I should I wait for it to stream? Should I go see it in the theater? How good is yeah. it? This film suffers on the small screen. I would mm-hmm. love to see this film as intended on the big screen. Um, I've never had the opportunity, but I'm sure you're right. I don't disagree with you. There's a lyrical... I don't know if I was as far as to say it suffers, though. No, me either. I mean, I think it's a really... I, I think it's a great film. I, I was happy that we were rewatching. I'm happy I got the chance to rewatch it. Yeah. Um, I I hear you where, where you're coming from. I think... I just imagine it would be so glorious. It would be even more even amazing. More. Even more. Because, yeah, yeah, nice yeah, yeah, you say you love this film? I, I fell it, in yeah. love with this oh, film. Oh, great, great. I thought this film was beautiful. I thought this film, I said it before, because we don't talk about the movies unless it's David and Carlos uh, <laughs> by themselves, uh, before we get together. We have, we have a lot to sink our teeth in here, because this film in 1964 had a very non-American attitude towards sexuality, sensuality, yeah. n- nudity, casual nudity of two women who are by themselves in this marsh, where where every indication that you have is that it is hot as hell, yeah, and they yeah. just basically take their tops off for for comfort, right? To, yeah, to cool. it's depicted yeah. the way that you would actually see it. Whereas an American director at this time 
would would, would have be to, yeah. worried about showing sure. this kind of Wouldn't, stuff. Yeah, I don't think it would go out of their way to hide it, even yeah. though it doesn't necessarily make practical sense to right. do. You know, it would the, it the, would be less realistic in a way. The black and white to and avoid the, that. The size of their frame. I mean, it is just beautiful in every way. So. You said that we have a lot to sink our teeth into, so let's get straight into sink, like baby. the core conflict in the film, other than w- what we see from the very beginning that they're you know somewhat impoverished and struggling and all of that kind well, of it's stuff. It's a film about war without showing the war. Well, that that as well. Yeah. Um, but you know, we kind of know that going into it, and we also know from the beginning that they have figured out how to survive amidst their you know, less than favorable conditions. So it's not the war that's going to be the conflict of this film because we see they've already adapted to it, right? So then, you know, as you're watching, you're like, okay, where is, you know, the inciting incident going to occur? What is going to move the story forward? And it's this guy, Hachi, who shows up, Mm -hmm. who kind of drives a wedge between these two women and does that in a kind of unknowing way to a certain degree because he shows up delivers the news that kichi i believe is the character's name uh because on the husband yeah yeah because the two female characters are billed as kichi's mother and kichi's wife i think okay yeah Uh, i don't think they are given names names. (laughs) and uh uh yeah so anyway um he shows up tells them that he has died and the daughter is very quick to seek the comfort of this man and seek companionship with this man. Sure. And the mother takes that as kind of a slight, uh, yeah. that, well, this guy's going to break up the band. I mean, yeah. Well, cre- and, and it's going to, two person community and to sustain. To, yeah, yeah. And it's going to leave the mother on her own to fend for herself in which she will probably not be that successful. Mm-hmm. And so ultimately, what you have is someone who's mad that someone else be fucking, you know? <laughs> and like, that's what it is. She's well, mad. It's but, there. And, and, but it's at a time where be fucking leads to be living. Like if, yeah. if, you, if you don't partner up, if you don't have a unit, it's going to be harder to make right. a go of it. So and they had created this unit. Yeah. And there's, and there's, the, the, and there's more compelling reasons to go with the man in a young woman's case yes. at this point in time, there's yeah. an added bonus that she wasn't getting sure, with the absolutely. mom. So, yeah. and plus hierarchy of needs, g- greater yeah. strength. Hierarchy he has, exactly. he has more Thank longevity. You. I mean, from yeah. a economic standpoint, the trade practically she's making is a very yeah. smart trade. Right. And it shows, it shows that I made a joke before we started with both of the films. I wonder if we're going to talk about sexuality and gender politics tonight. Uh, they, when they, kill these samurai mm-hmm. and throw the bodies down the hole but take the the armor the, the, good the plunder yeah. to the fencer when when hachi does it he gets more money or more rice yeah. more food i mean his it's a man's he world he can a, negotiate better there is an economic benefit for the oh, daughter sure. for yeah. the daughter he got sake to yes go you're with, right that's um, why i brought the sake because yeah. he demands sake you know and he right. gets it so, and we're guys. We demand something. Yeah, we we demand yeah. any anywhere that I go. It does. I go to Mexican food restaurants. I demand something. <laughs> Sacatini, please. Yeah, please. That, yeah, me. Don't you give me any margaritas? Uh, there is a religious component to the film because the daughter-in-law is asking all kinds of questions about. Uh, you know, religion and are there demons? Is there hell? Is yeah. there heaven? And is this there... is this is the part that I find the most interesting. And I I I think it came up a little bit in some of the Kur- uh, one or two of the Kurosawa films that we talked about a few months back. My understanding of Buddhism as a philosophy 
is very different from how it's presented in here. Like, I don't recall in my very light readings on mm-hmm. Buddhism, uh, which happened 15 years ago plus at this point, um, mm-hmm. that he is has any kind of deity type of... I mean, I know that he's like... A, he, I, I know he's right. revered and prophetic and things yeah, like that. Yeah, but they don't think but of afterlife not, supernatural. He's not a Jesus Christ figure. Not afterlife supernatural, not omnipotent. You, not you know, thing. but I don't understand. The word sin being used a lot is, I mean, I, I don't, don't know if it's a translation the, the thing. composition of religions in Japan. I mean, I know there are multiple. I know uh, there's a lot, yeah. 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 I, so, but yeah. I think, but isn't the but daughter is wrestling a, with some of the morality of it all? Yeah. And she's asking. Yeah, but, sure, but you she's know. Talking, I mean, they're talking about purgatory and hell, which, again, could be translation things. Like, maybe that's the closest English right, right. analog to whatever. But the mother it, clearly it, holds that over her. Oh, and, yeah. You know, in those, well, she's which, dismissive which, again, of it. It's, it's bullshit. Well, but she holds it over her Later. when it's the she, she uses husband, it. when she's talking about the son and like yeah. when you go with another man. And sure. they, they, you know, yeah. she puts penalties It's a point of manipulation. I mean, there, yes. is, yeah. there is some Catholic which guilt in this. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I felt it to my core. Yeah. Which is all the more but, what confused but the me because is one of the, so familiar. One of the greatest characters ever in a certain right. sense because her she, character design is great too. I love the Bride of Frankenstein vibe. Uh, yeah, that that makes, she's that's got what with, makes her well, old the, with the hair. The white yeah. streak. I know her white name because I... I uh, it's uh, Noboku Otawa. 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 Uh, she's fantastic. She she's is very good so in this film, yeah. manic in certain moments. And like when she's coming on to... Uh, it's unreal i mean she is just there's nothing at all appealing but she is just being so intense she's going for it really well he's got his eye on the younger woman oh he's already they've already he's already already bedded her at this so the older woman seeing that this wedge as you put it carlos well done is is there says well if i can seduce hachi then maybe i would have the benefits that the younger woman does right but but her attempt at it's, it is just insane. It's yeah. like calling a tape and like making these grimacing faces and like contorting her. It's just whoa! Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine a scene set in a bar with a guy like having a whisk, you know, or a sake, and the, the woman comes in and comes on and starts acting that way? That's no way to come on to it. There's no like real uh, seduction uh, happening. No. There's no real sensuality well, or anything between, like that. At least uh, you know the younger woman. And Hachi, there is there like is. some chemistry, yeah. and they seem to understand this like chemistry that they have with one another. But the old woman and him the old never just—they <laughs> never even get along. No, just like no. baseline. Well, nobody gets along with the old woman. She's not interested in getting along. She's she demands. Yeah. See, I liked. Her. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. Like, but the position she's in. This is it's this tough, is a yeah. depiction of a brutal world. This is yeah. a depiction yeah. of a world that has no it's hand to mouth. Yeah, that has no soft edges. It's all no forgiveness, no real concern with humanity or treating people decently. It's everybody in this movie is one hundred percent consumed with what is what can what can I do for me? Yeah, because they have to be. Well, yeah, no, they literally will just die very soon. Yeah, I mean, but you know, at the at the same time, I mean. You would hope that if you found yourself in this situation with your mother-in-law, uh, I would behave differently. Who you said you want to marry? You admit it. 
I you want to marry your mother-in-law? <laughs> uh, you would at least... I'd still th- walk around topless. <laughs> you would at least think that in that situation, if you and this person have gone through so much together to survive, mm-hmm. you would hope humanity would prevail and there would be at least a modicum of compassion for that person. And yeah. like... Even if she was going to go live with Hachi, like, okay. They would still take care of the old woman. Come yeah. come with us, yeah. you know, but... But then yeah. you can see the way the old woman behaves, why they wouldn't right. want why to they give her that to. kind sure. of reassurance. But, but, it's, but it's really... I, it's really because I think more so than with the younger woman, but with Hachi specifically, he doesn't see her as anything other than a nuisance and he would dispatch her the older woman the older woman yeah. as sure. quickly as he found it oh, convenient yeah. no, and she's i mean she's terribly ill-tempered and aggressively mean towards him why would anybody want to tolerate somebody like that in their life i mean she does not make herself a welcome but on the other hand it's great to see a character with such conviction and she's just absolutely who she is i don't know i guess my point is that she's like a living person and you would think that that would afford her at least like a tiny bit of leeway with the other characters but everybody here is just like i could give a shit if you live or die as long as i get my millet and so get to have sex so those first (laughs) two acts set us up in this kind of desolate place and we know that there are migrant um kind of deserting samurai that, that that make the mistake of coming too close because they will get killed they will get stripped of all their possessions armor weaponry thrown down this hole and um well, one of them comes through. Another one comes through after the younger woman has begun sneaking off in the middle of the night to to be with with Hachi. Right, and he's got a creepy mask. On. <laughs> he's got a Hanya mask. But reassures on. This appears only to the older woman and yeah. reassures her that you know he's actually one of the most handsome men. He is ever. the most he handsome face in Kyoto. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah underneath yeah. this mask. So don't worry, you know, but I uh, need to show me the way out of here, please. Yeah, show, <laughs> show me how to get on uh, to the next city. Yeah. Uh, no, you'll kill me as soon as I tell you how to do it. I promise I, on my honor, I will not. So she does, leads him across the hole in the middle of the night, and he doesn't know there's a hole there, and he falls presumably to his death. Right. Where she pulls out her repelling gear, goes down into the hole, in She's onto a small mountain of bones of all of their past. Victims. I know. I love Which how they quickly had, they've decomposed. I was going to say yeah, they had that was a few days. Just well, dropped some people there, and yeah. they were just come. Yeah, no <laughs> biological material other than the bones left. Well, so now she's got. I expected his, that to be this her to walk into the smelliest hole. The of remake all time. would take care of that. Yeah. I don't think you could get away with like rotting flesh. Probably stuff not. And I mean, from a logistic standpoint, it would probably be difficult to execute. Yeah. So she's got now this uh, some more gear to sell to mm-hmm. do whatever she wants to. What she decides to do is to put together a costume, put together an outfit in the middle of the night when while the younger woman is going to Hachi's, scare her. Into and basically into believing that I am a demon. Oh, and by the way, um, Onibaba is translates into demon hag, <laughs> yeah, which is just amazing. I thought it was demon woman. I, I've seen both. I've seen I've devil seen woman, de- yeah, demon but woman. But it seems like it's a version of woman that has a nasty, yeah. you know, so probably closer to hag yeah. or something okay. like that. Yeah. And these are when this cinematography. This is what I want to see on the big screen. Is when when we're seeing. I'm imagining <laughs> the. Um, I'm imagining the imagination of the younger woman and how this figure emerges from the grasses. It kind of floats toward the camera. 
camera. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a jump scare to a degree. Bang, there it is. Yeah. And it works a couple of times. Yeah. Um, this is when the horror kicks in. This is when yeah. I had texted David. You've seen this, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. This is a horror movie, much like Kylie did with you, Carlos. Yeah. There's, this is a beautiful movie. It's a fascinating movie. There's a lot of great ideas and things to chew on here but is it a horror movie this is when some of the horror really kicks into gear yeah yeah it's funny i had forgotten how much build up there was until we get there but so when when you asked me that i hadn't rewatched it yet i it didn't initially make i'm like oh yeah i guess it does but once i watched it i'm like yeah it takes a good two lengthy acts before we get to the third it's like, act. It's like a family drama before Quick that. Quick Yeah, it is. You're right. It, but it's setting the stage, and boy, does it. I mean, yeah. that's the beauty of it is once it set you up, and actually I think there's going to be some, you know, bleed into our conversation in the second half There here. are certainly many parallels. Yes. Yeah. W- w- once you kind of set it up that way, and then you, you, you've you kind of hooked the viewer in, in a certain sense in this family drama that we just talked about, but then you deliver this twist where, oh, no, but we're going to introduce this supernatural element kind of quirky at first, a little bit puzzling, and then when the, you know, true horror of it kicks in, it's just bam. I mean, I don't know, like it, it the scenes of uh the younger woman trying to get the mask off the older woman are so gut-wrenching even now. Like the the pulling and her screaming and the cut and like the hitting well, with the, the second mallet. second or third time was it second time that she does the same act. It's yeah. raining. Right. And the conceit is that the mask is now uh soaked onto her soaked face. on or it's, shrunk yeah. shrunk down. Right. It's too tight to get off. It's revealed to the younger woman that the older woman is it's not a demon. It's just me. Yeah. And, and please forgive me and I'm so sorry and I didn't want you to go off with him because if you do I die and but this mask is stuck to my face. Mm-hmm. Will you please help me get this mask off of my face? It's <laughs> yeah. a little Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. Here, really. Yeah. Um, and so she beats the shit out of the mask. She can't figure out any other Humbles way to do it. Just, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cracks it in half. I guess we failed to mention that when she finally does take the mask off of the original samurai that was wearing she it, she sees he's, his horrific disfigured, disfigured face. Yeah. Right? She has it's to like the, rip it off. Ah, of you're the most handsome man in Kyoto, she says to his corpse. Yeah. Yeah. So that kind of sets up what happens to her. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Presumably something similar happened to him. I don't know. I mean, obviously not the same way. I mean, because part of the not exactly the same, but it but it makes sense that it's this like curse that travels around. It, you know, it's one of those stories like mm-hmm. of that kind of cursed mask, and who knows who who next might wear it. But the yeah. the idea that uh, or why it happened to the samurai. Yeah. Who knows? In this case, she was trying to use it deceitfully to stop this. Uh, yeah, relationship. Selfishly. Yeah. yeah. You know advance her own agenda about what she thinks this other woman should do with her life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guilting her into feeling some kind of way about her actions. Um, when really, I mean, what she's doing isn't all that wrong. Maybe a little fast. Slight, <laughs> slightly uncouth. That's yes. just, no, I that's morally your Catholic wrong. guilt, no. Carlos. That's just your uh, Catholic guilt. I think you should wait a week, at least. <laughs> Do they even know what a week is? Are they thinking in weeks? I don't uh, know. Maybe not. I, it, it, yes, I, I understand where you're coming from. But then again, I get it's such for a, a world that moved much slower than ours. A week well, seems slower in some ways, and then faster in others. Right? They were adults at a younger age, or considered sure. adults at a younger age, and they lived much shorter lives. Right? Like th- this woman who's constantly being called old woman 
is, is like you said, 39 in reality. And that makes sense with the story. I mean, it's... And they don't dress her up to be much older. No. Except for the gray streaks in her hair. Yeah. That yeah. is the director's wife. Huh. The older woman. Yeah. Crazy. And, you know, the sad thing is, and th- this we haven't even said his name, right? Kaneto Shindo? Mm-hmm. He... has a huge filmography i think i've seen maybe one other of his films that is it's sad i mean i'm happy that this reminds me what a great filmmaker he is i hope that i will follow up and watch some of his other films because it's sad to me that i've seen this film now it was at least about 20 years ago when i first saw it but i haven't really followed up and and looked at his other stuff we have seen Halloween, we have seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I mean, if you think about it, all horror October after the end of this episode will include 16 films in its canon. Mm -hmm. And many of those we have seen. I love it when we have the opportunity to go back, see a movie that I've never seen. Uh, Carlos, you hadn't seen it, I don't believe. So I, I, I fell in love with this movie and I would wholeheartedly recommend it. Don't let my it's going to be a while before you could ever see this in any kind of retro movie theater. It's on HBO Max now. Yeah. Watch it now. Yeah. Turn off the lights so that you can get a good theatrical experience as best as you can. Mm-hmm. See Onibaba. Uh, I was really glad that we we landed on this one. I, I agree. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, we're, we're batting pretty high for like the foreign films that we choose to watch. Well, it, you know, I, th- I think... The way they get delivered to us, for us to even hear about films, I, sadly to say, they have to stand out in certain ways, That's right? True. I mean, like, That's they, true. Because we're only going to hear about a handful of the films from any given area. When, once you go deeper, you start getting more. But yeah, I mean, th- this film stands up to its reputation and uh, so atmospheric, so moody. Beautiful. Once it gets there with the horror, bam, fu- fun stuff. Yeah, I, I even, you know. I was, I was thinking about that as the film went on and the questions of like, is this a horror movie, yeah. you know, yeah. arose because I, last week I said something about, um, people whose main criticism of malignant is the first like 90 minutes of it or slow. Mm, yeah. And I was like, I don't get that. What do you, do you like, actually like <laughs> horror movies or do you like action movies? Like, yeah. you know, and this is a perfect example of that kind of slow burn, lots of atmosphere, lots of mood, lots of kind of creating some degree of uneasiness. Now, whether you would refer to it as tension in this movie, as opposed to maybe like a Hitchcock's more leaning on suspense, you know, type of situation. I don't know if I would say creating tension necessarily. I don't think it's quite ever quite that intense until the third act starts, but it is creating a kind of like something not, chill is gonna happen you know yeah, like, no, i can it's feel, not a I can feel it coming no it's, you know? it's like really tense melodrama for a good hour and then slides least, you into yeah. wow okay th- this is how dark it's gonna but, get but the depths that we as the human race can go to i mean the slasher films are that yeah, yeah. But, oh, but, sure. but they're doing some they're, they're playing a completely different game yeah right this is they're playing checkers is playing chess out of necessity <laughs> out, out, out of out of necessity Sometimes you want checkers though True. Out of necessity to sustain my being, I cannot let her go with him. Yeah. So how will I accomplish yeah, this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try it through, through you know, more conventional ways. I'll seduce the guy, fail. I'll yeah. convince her that I'll, this is yeah, not the movie. I'll, no, I'll, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll guilt her yeah. with some religious, oh, you know, desperate, talk. No doubt. Fail. Yeah. 
All right, I guess I got to put a mask on and float through the fucking marsh. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for doing that, older woman. And, and it's interesting how simple it is that they show us the two women going to the fence, like, what, twice? Yeah. Um, or maybe only once. Only once by themselves, but then they go with Hachi, okay. I think. Um, and just by seeing that, like setting that up as the norm once she starts going off by herself just that small change in protocol yeah kind of tells you tells the audience in a very succinct not overly expository way that something is afoot yeah you know and it's that type of like smart filmmaking that trusts Mm -hmm. its audience that i very much enjoy yeah if hachi had said bring me a beer we would have drank some beer tonight but he we, didn't. We, there's a whole country of Japan. We've only had one, maybe two Japanese beers on the show. Yeah, at least two. But, but I think yeah. sake was the one way to go. One was not great, though. No, but one, one was like an old bottle. At, one yeah, was yeah, very yeah. old. But the Orion was pretty good from yeah. uh, Okinawa. Yeah. We, we liked that. It was a light I think lager. sake was the way to go. And when I drink sake, when I'm out and about, I go with this uh, unfiltered anytime yeah. that I can. I, I, lo- I love the fruity, bold, rich Full flavor it delivers. Of it. it delivers. I mean, that's. I agree. I'm. I'm with you, Joe. I've learned now that the unfiltered sake is almost always going to be your best bet, especially if you want it to live up to that kind of light, kind of floral quality that I associate with really good cold sake. Um, like you, Joe, I definitely had plenty of experiences with the hot stuff. Especially, I remember a few times going out with people to places that used to have all you could drink sake sure. included with like I, they're it was serving probably you like a, swill they're serving oh I'm you sure we were probably drinking paint thinner cooked champagne I mean, it was, sake <laughs> I, I pulled up this quickly the alcohol content between 15, sake beer right? and wine is widely different yeah. wine usually contains ABV between 9 and 16 beer is usually 3 to 9 some of the beers we have yes, are double sure. that but very rare but undiluted sake has an ABV of about 18 to 20 if sake is diluted with water before it's bottled the ABV will be around 15 where this was is this 15. one this, this is, is 15, 15 okay yeah. so maybe they're diluting it a little bit which I'm fine with I mean to <laughs> me, I'm just saying to me this is a very drinkable mm-hmm. uh, I would love to have this out when I'm having sushi the next time sure. this would be a great uh, sure. bottle to yeah, have it's a 300, 300 milliliter bottle we each we got around 100 each yeah uh, I would easily drink this whole bottle by myself if oh, I were yeah. out 100% yeah. yeah no no problem good call good call where the very hell de- are we going it was very delicious we're going back to Japan as we said but now we're gonna hit more that J-horror wave of the late 90s early 2000s um, one of the standouts from that pack that maybe doesn't even belong in that same pack but we'll talk about that when we come back feats don't fail me now Almost went. I almost I went. Felt, yeah, not, I, not I quite. Felt it. <laughs> all right, we are back for the second half of our foreign films installment for All Horror October. This is the very last episode of All Horror October, and the very we, last film review of All Horror. The October. very last film. Re- the the last episode. The last film review and the last episode of All Horror October. And I'll be damned if we're not switching things up today. Joe, you are having a great time over there, and <laughs> well, I can't figure out what you're about the films that you'll. At the end of the episode, we'll talk about what films we're doing next week. So this anyway. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> we'll get there. We'll no get spoilers. there. Hang on to your butts. Well, th- we're really going to have to hang on to our butts because, guys, we are kicking it into hyperdrive. Um, <laughs> at the end of all horror October, we just throw all caution to the wind. Watching this film, uh, which we'll talk about in just a minute, what it was, it features some prominent drinking, okay? There, there's Drinking is kind of a motif. It happens re- recurringly throughout the film, and very importantly, because it sets something up that, that really turns things yeah. at the very end. Third act, again. Hey, hey, hey we're, we're, we're absolutely some patterns being laid here. And the drink being drank was not a beer, was not a uh, sake. It was something else, something a little more high octane, and that is whiskey. And Beer in a movie first. What whiskey yeah. is being drank, it's not quite clear. He has it in a decanter, yeah. so, it's, so it's a little mysterious It's a little darker there. than this one. Um, yes, I did go a little bit lighter, So, but another film set in Japan, shot in Japan, made by a Japanese uh, filmmaker and, and crew and cast, felt like this was the perfect opportunity to do something that I've been meaning to do for many, many years, and that is get a proper Japanese whiskey and give it a shot because I know that the Japanese love whiskey. I know there's a significant whiskey following in Japan. Certainly. They have, over the years, from what I understand, really perfected some approaches to whiskey that are very different than what we get in the United States, which is usually what I'm exposed to. I'm more of a bourbon person, occasionally a rye. I'm a I, I know you guys guy, have yeah. talked about, you know... Yeah, you, I, I love a scotch. You like a scotch? Yeah. So it's a little smoky. We're familiar me. with these, but have you guys had a lot of Japanese whiskey? I, here not. and there. I can't call myself a connoisseur by but any But you've had any it a little bit. Here and there, yeah. Okay. And and you, Carlos, no, not as much. No. Uh, our friend Carlos, a.k.a. Mexican Manchild, uh, <laughs> was over at the house once pre-pandemic. Um, and... <laughs> I saw Panny D today. Somebody <laughs> wrote that, and he uh, he he had brought a bottle of a Japanese whiskey that I cannot remember off the top of my head which one it was. I can see the bottle in my head, but um, okay. And I think I had a little bit of it, but the main thing I remember about that was he asked if I had ice, and I had the proper whiskey ice cubes, and he was like, "Oh, okay, oh, all right, and very nice." I was a little impressed. So. Very nice, but a Japanese whiskey. So I know he listens I, to I his podcast religiously. The, I, only, I hope he does. He doesn't. I can only imagine the dialogue, Aaron. I, I've I hate to tell you this. I've got to go down to Liquid Town and buy a big bottle of Japanese whiskey. <laughs> it's for the show. I don't it's, really want yeah. to do that, but uh, they're making they're me. making me. Carlos said I have to. She did see me slipping it into my lunch bag. This is my lunch bag as well as my bag that I bring beer to the show and, and it's a big and bag she's of like, beer you're, you're putting whiskey in your life like it's for the show <laughs> it's for science so okay if well, you're we've lucky i'll bring some enough. home and we the, can try it later the whiskey i landed on is called kikori it is uh full 100 percent rice whiskey oh fantastic. so okay that to me seemed like as far out there as I, I don't think I've ever had a whiskey that had significant rice. I don't think I have either. Base at least ones it. that would admit it. So as Joe pointed out, or or was it you, Carlos? It's lighter in color. Yeah, I, yeah, you I pointed it out, Carlos, uh, which Give makes sense. I think the the rice base probably does a sure. little bit of that. Yeah. yeah. But then again, it's also the barrels that they have it aging in. Anyway, I'm really excited to try this. Something so I've been wanting to do for a while. I'm gonna go. We talked about it beforehand. I'm gonna go neat for a sip or two, and then I'm gonna throw one of Carlos's fancy schmancy uh, cocktail cubes in. 
All right. This is this is quickly turning into Ooh. an episode of the Homebrew Podcast, which is a podcast my friend and local photographer Kevin McDermott did, where they would do full-on shots on the show uh, and <laughs> end up pretty blasted by the end of it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if we'll get there, but we'll, God, what an interesting nose! We certainly will not. When get you're there, used but, to like a bourbon, yeah, or a, it's it's definitely not as uh, rich and. Uh, dark as the bur- and i say that like it d- doesn't bring on like the leather mahogany kind of or or even the like it's, darker it's, it's subtle brown sugar it's, no it's, this is more s- light and smells like gasoline <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding it does not smell like gasoline no 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 <laughs> but just the contrast between you know we you know our listeners at home if you if you haven't put this together yet we have a process of approaching each beer that we drink on this show. You know, yeah. we all pour, we take a gander, uh, color, you know, if it's a fruited thing, is it purple or, you know, whatever. And then, you know, we all give it a whiff before yeah. we smell it, you know, especially sometimes with those stouts, like the coconut ones, you'll get a ton of coconut on the nose and then David might be disappointed with how much is actually in the body. That happens. And that it, it did. And so just the contrast of the, uh, I'm, I'm going through all the same steps in the same motion, but when I <laughs> put it up to my nose, oh, yeah. I knew what I was going like, to, it's not like I'm surprised by it, but it's so different oh, from yeah. what we normally it's do not on a, a Monday yeah, night. It is that 41 ABV. It singed the nose hairs a little bit. Is, is this like a step on our way to doing the utopias at some point here? Oh, I want to do a utopia. Oh, really? Oh, I don't know. I've I, heard I, terrible things. I want to, but I just am not willing to pay the price of admission. So I have seen the movie we're going to discuss, and I need a couple slags of hard liquor just to, to get through this. <laughs> thing hey that it's it is exactly as it's billed to be here so i i had never seen this film but it's been on my list for a very long time but because of its reputation so the film we're talking about is uh a film called audition it is a 1999 japanese horror film and essentially the premise is that we have uh a man who is a widower who has a son who he is continuing to raise following his But a teenage son who's about death. to leave yeah, the nest. He's, he's a teenager now. He's like, in dad, school. You need a he's getting interested in girls and he's, you know, uh, looks at his dad and is just like, Hey, what's your deal? Why yeah. having, it's been like, it's been seven years since, uh, the mom slash wife died. And what so, a contrast from the last episode, right? Or, or yeah. the last part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't move quite as fast oh, as, my uh, husband's dead. I'm on to the next one. No, yeah. This guy's like, oh, the seven years. Did. Um, and yeah, so we, motherfucker, <laughs> my phone is moving so slow. Uh, but yeah, so the character, his name is Ayama. Ayama? Oyama? 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 There's a, it's a Oyama. I didn't, Oyama. Want, I didn't want to do the synopsis for this reason. No, no, for sure. Um, and, and yeah, so his son is like, Dad, you need to get laid. And he's like, oh, you're probably right. And so he, uh, along with his friend Yoshikawa, set up a really a fake audition for a fake film. I mean... Yoshikawa seems to Yoshikawa, be an actual film producer. He is, and he does... I think have maybe a slight bit of belief that it could potentially get made at some point possibly, but yeah. it's not a very serious no. project. The audition exists it's- so that Oyama 
can Vet. meet women can meet women yeah. and potentially and find them. some and, and, yeah, and judge yeah. them yeah. and judge them in a way where it's acceptable for him to be judging them sure. in a funny in, montage sequence in a funny <laughs> montage sequence uh and for him to get as much information about them up front as possible. You know, he gets a headshot. He gets, like, their age and where they're from. And he gets a, a, a personal yeah. essay from them that talks about their lives and why they want to be a part of this uh, film project. It's like a Three's Company episode. Yeah, it's got the score and everything. Don Knotts shows up in the middle of the movie <laughs> right. for some reason. Uh, no, and so, so, yeah, basically that's the whole thing is that a guy and his buddy set up a fake audition so that he can meet... Uh, potentially the next Mrs. Mrs. Oyama, uh-huh. and he settles on a woman pretty quickly. Who even before the auditions, even before the auditions, yeah, but finds her essay. It's yeah. her essay. It's the mind. It's the, it's mind. the mind. Not the fact that she's stunningly beautiful. <laughs> he doesn't care about that. No. It's the essay. Um, and yeah, so when the audition happens. It further cements his infatuation with this woman, but uh, his good friend Yoshikawa casts some doubt upon her mysterious background and says, "Maybe you should take it a little bit slow." Uh, and yeah, that's and then the film takes off from there. I mean, it is kind of uh, it is kind of similar similar to Onibaba in a way where. Um, it does get off to maybe what you would think of as a kind of slower start for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, if mean, it I'll, hasn't I'll, been stated at this point, this is a film that was directed by Takashi Miike. Yeah, yeah. Takashi Miike, uh, written by Ryu Murakami, who, well, he wrote the novel uh, that this is adapted from. Yeah. And then it was adapted to a screenplay by Daisuke Tengen. I believe is how you say that. Uh, and this is, I don't think the only Murakami adaptation that Mike did, or maybe that he attempted to maybe do. Maybe he has done um, more, yeah. But yeah, how, 1999, Ringu, all that shit is right, popping Ringu, off. Right, Ringu, how, how Mike does also in 2003 go on to direct One Missed Call, which in 2008 was had an American adaptation as well. Okay, that was like at the tail end of that wave of American huh. remakes of J-Horror. So how versed, real quick, how versed were are two of you in that, that era of J-Horror? Because I'm th- versed in the American I adaptations dabbled. of it. I, I dabbled. I, I definitely saw this and the Japanese ring. Juwan, I saw a couple other. Uh, Ringu. I've seen all those greatest right, hits. Right. But I, I have a glaring hole in my film encyclopedia of the, Japanese There are a couple horror. Kiyoshi Kurosawa films, Cure, and there's another one. The, Pulse that, that were kind of circulating around that time but again you like especially in the states we tend to only get like a small sliver of what you know yeah. is there actually coming overseas that was when you had to get them on dvd too but, so. but takasha miike it was really like championed by filmmakers that i know most of tarantino, us, tarantino especially tarantino, tarantino, by roth them, yeah. i mean when audition burst onto the scene 1999 i think yeah it, it, there were a couple of film festivals that it were at where it made a huge splash and this guy kind of it did, cemented I don't think it's, him as an international player i don't think it was making huge waves in the states until later i think there was a bit of a delayed well from, i think response that's, from what i understand that's probably right it took a few years before it really was because i think he was here. i think he was at a festival screening ichi the killer around the time oh, there you go that's poof. that the states were really 
grabbing onto it. In his film Goju. Like he had a I actually think there. he screened Ichi the Killer on September eleventh at Toronto. Oh wow. Or at some film festival. Yeah. But he, it was he he, he it was on moment, or right after. And this was definitely part of it. A bit, you know, but but maybe it was a little delayed in the West, uh d- which happened especially back then right but either way it was part of that wave yeah and it was definitely but but as i said earlier one that i think kind of stands out like the the others have go for more that atmospheric haunted creepiness supernatural yeah um this is women with long back black hair that are right seemingly like wet a little bit (laughs) Uh, (laughs) a little drippy drippy. but the first half of this film as as we've already said is deceptively non-horror there's a couple of little moments, a couple of little things. Well, there's some but, that make it seem almost comic, right? Yeah. I mean, again, the montage sequence. Which, it's almost a rom-com for like an hour. <laughs> they, yes, there there are definite moments where you could you feel this could She's tip goofy and way. awkward, and he's like an old man trying not to be creepy a little bit, or weird trying age, not to yeah, be weird too clingy disparity. or whatever. Yeah, yeah. The son has this weird fascination with dinosaurs as an almost grown man. <laughs> I know, that uh, is funny. It <laughs> is the most random bit of plot that I could have ever imagined being in this film because it doesn't pay off. Nothing happens with it. It is just a, right. a matter it, of fact it, of the world it, that they live in that they just casually... Right. Gl- I mean... And the girl that he meets is also really hyped about it too. <laughs> like, oh yeah, no, that's why. Uh, but he he was interested in her because she looked pretty. But then yeah, know, she, so she liked his biology interest in dying. After <laughs> the audition, she goes back to her sparse sparse apartment. <laughs> now sits down, sparse is is an understatement. Sits down on her knees in a weird, uh, awkward, uncomfortable position. I couldn't. Do oh yeah. I think it's. I think there's more. I think the sitting positions that are normal in Japan would sure. be considered very different sure. for us. There's a big bag in the background, sack of some kind. <laughs> There's less chairs. And she sits yeah, in oh yeah, this, absolutely less yeah. chairs. Yeah. She sits in this position for four days waiting for a phone call. <laughs> staring at the phone. Staring at the phone. There's a bag in the sack. There's a bag in the background. And then eventually that fucking bag moves around. Right. And it moves like, very dramatically, very quickly, only to not move again. Yeah. It's, it's very jarring. But when we see her in that apartment when the radio broadcast for the casting call happened. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that was going to be her at first because in that scene, the apartment is completely empty. There's no bag. She looks so much younger. I don't know why I thought that huh. she looked like a she had a more childish quality about her in that first scene. She's pretty young. I mean, she is pretty young. She's like 23 or four, the actress. Okay. Um, but she looks, she looks, younger. she looks even younger, yeah. but it got me thinking later because there's a lot of flashbacks and they kind of play around with the age of the character in different moments or whatever, which, <clears throat> so uh, we should just get straight into it because I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, and so, they, so they, they, they begin going on dates. They begin going on dates. She seems to n- not really think twice about the fact that this producer from this film just like hit her up to go on a date, and she's like real hyped about it, and she like seems to really like him at least um, the way she the things she says and you know the way she behaves with him and whatnot. Um, but as I mentioned earlier, his friend Yoshikawa is like I called the record label that she said she knew somebody from who was like mm-hmm. looking after her or whatever, and that guy went missing like 18 months ago and I, we can't find anybody that knows her, you know? And even at one point to kind of put his mind at ease, Oyama 
asks her if he can visit her at the bar she works at, which was like the steel fish or something like that, or the stone fish, stone fish, stone fish. Um, and she is like, Oh, I, I don't like that because my boss likes to get involved in my personal life. And so he accepts that and whatever. And so she continues to remain very mysterious until they go off on this weekend together where there's this like very sensual scene with a ton of sexual tension built up. I mean, the way that he is able to, uh, create that, tension without the characters really being close to one another Mm -hmm. i thought was very well done and very interesting um but the two end up you know knowing each other biblically (laughs) uh and i'm glad you're watching this film with with kid gloves the proper way this is a film where she's sticking needles in his face. Uh, uh, I believe you meant to say they make sweet love. They make sweet love. She disappears in the night. Yeah. Goes totally missing. Won't answer his calls. He never found out where she lived. He's ghosted. He he does get ghosted. Not before she makes him promise that only, to only love her. That's pre-coitus. Yeah. Uh, Only love her. Only love her. And no one else. Right. Um, and he's like, yeah, for sure, I got you. And she's you. like, I'm um, super, super literal, though. Do you get what I, That would have been the Tim Robinson version yeah. of this movie. But I really, really mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, leaves in the middle of the night. Can't find her when they get back. Is like mad at his friend, Ayoshikawa, yeah. for not, like... Help, wanting to help him find her, he, he kind of treats it with like, well, I guess it's probably for the best kind of vibes or whatever. Well, he was against it to begin. He with. was against yeah, exactly, yeah. and uh, and so eventually the whiskey thing pays off, right? And he yes. goes home uh, having his whiskey. What always at, comes home at night. Yeah, sits down, pours his whiskey. Pours a whiskey. He's listening to a voicemail from his son as he's entering his apartment. And his son is going to stay at a friend's house or whatever, so he's not coming home till the next day. So he's there by himself. takes a takes a sip, his first sip of his 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 nightly whiskey. Yeah, and starts to feel weird. Ends up collapsing. And then all hell has a loose. series of wild hallucinations. Yeah. I think question mark. Yeah, I I that part was interesting to me, and I I'll I'll get more to that in a second once I kind of wrap this this bit up. But he wakes up, and he's essentially been abducted by his love interest Asami who I don't think we've said her name yet but Asami is quite his partner go ahead uh, yeah 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 um, uh, partner in the night time uh, <laughs> <and laughs> partners partner, in the night time they're partners in the, they're, uh, that's a good name for the episode <laughs> partners in the night time uh, uh, yeah, and so then she proceeds to start doing various and sundry gruesome things to him. She starts yeah. to torture him. And one thing I will say before we get into the questions that I have about some of the exposition that's presented in this third act is up until this point, I found the Asami character who was played by Ihi Shina, I think is how you say her name. Okay. Um, again, I'm trying my best. Um, I just say go for it and don't even reference it. It may have yeah, got it wrong. Yeah. 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 Uh, so um, I found her to be charming in an odd way leading up to this. I mean, she's obviously a very beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's playing this like meek, mild mannered, kind of shy, introverted young woman. Oh, yeah. In a way that's Painfully very, shy in a way that's in very believable. Um, and, but she doesn't know, like, okay, so nothing changes about her physically 
when we get to this point in the film where she has now abducted him. Like her hair is the same, her like costuming and makeup is done the same. But there is this look in her eyes that is so believably like fucked up yeah. when she starts torturing him. Yeah. Ugly. She that exactly. Mm-hmm. And I it's it's really a remarkable thing for an actress to be able to or for any actor to be able to without doing anything super over the top or changing mm-hmm. something about their appearance or whatever but to be able to just convey an emotion with just their look. Yeah. Just like the look in their eyes that they have uh, cuz I found the change to be so subtle, but also so... Well, she's certainly the master of this element when she's, you know, creating the syringes for the sedatives and... She is into it. Yeah. You can tell that this is like, she lives for this shit. And... (laughs) And it's so well, me- and it's very menacing. Like, and I, and I think that the, the most fascinating thing she's is scary. Well, well at the why? End. Yeah. Why? Yeah. So you ask if it's a hallucination. We learn her backstory through hallucinations. That's the part that confused me. Yeah. Is because he hits the deck, and then we and then he, quote unquote, wakes up in her apartment. Kind of no. Is it in the apartment first or in the ballet studio? We go back and forth between those places a couple of times, and we and he, we're learning things about her backstory. If if via that, his hallucination, if that's but, accurate, see that if and that's the thing that's confusing. If it's to me. from his hallucinatory point of view, then maybe that didn't happen. Yeah, that's but, so. That's the part that confused me is is because the way that it's presented is through a like him hallucinating as he's passing out from this toxin that she has slipped into his whiskey but the way that it reads kind of within the narrative of the film is us learning yeah. more about backstory, her yeah. and yeah so and those two things don't she was... fit together really <laughs> unless you know you put them together and that's i i mean i think this speaks to some of what uh is i remember seeing these films that these takashi Miike films he does things that shouldn't work that that aren't supposed to work he does them kind of deliberately though obviously deliberately i mean yeah. he's choosing to do these things and they're very discombobulating and they're very disconcerting and it leaves you feeling like well what the fuck did you really mean to say there but the bottom line is he gets his point across one way or the you know what i mean like so this is it a flashback is it a hallucination? Is it his imagining what her backstory is? Is it her actual backstory that we're seeing? Like, I think that Mikay is probably happy that we are that confused about all of that shit. Because at that point, it's setting the stage for this torture, you know, scenario to, to go down. Well, we, lear- we learn she- in flashback slash hallucination that she was pretty Oh, dismally abused. And even before this, there's hints. Like, so there seems to be some reality to that Scars story. on her body. Yeah, well, because she... One thing that happens in the hallucinations is that we see um, more extended cuts, basically, of conversations they've already had. So, right. like, they start... Sh- he, Nikkei the- starts showing us bits of those conversations that we haven't that seen we haven't before seen, right. that we hadn't seen prior. we knew they were on a date but now we're seeing the content of the conversation yeah we're seeing more of it right he's yeah. kind of expanding upon yeah. these small dates that they went on like their second and third dates uh, that he showed us a little bit of before yeah. and what he showed us before was more of her and i think obviously this film has a lot to say about the gender politics of japanese culture which like i think anybody 
probably knows is fairly patriarchal. It seems to be fairly common knowledge. Um, And so it clearly has a lot to say about that because in the first scenes where everything's, I mean, we as an audience kind of can tell based, especially because we kind of know we're getting into that something fucked up is going to happen. But from the protagonist's perspective, things are going very well with this woman. (laughs) I mean, she is doing and saying all of the things that especially as an older man, I would you know think that you would want to hear like, oh, I was waiting for your call, and I, yeah, I, I was so sad that I thought I was never going to get to see you again, and I just can't stop smiling. And I mean, she's hitting yeah. all the notes, yeah. right? Yeah. And then it's only all once the ego he's, strokes. Yes, exactly. And then once he's once he's hallucinating, we see that she did reveal a little bit more about some of the traumas of her past. She did reveal that. Um, at no point in her life has she like ever been happy. Right. <laughs> Which right. is like so dark. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And so then that starts to kind of play in, but yeah, I mean, there is some like, that is when it gets kind of crazy. I will say that I did, I, I felt a certain like underwhelmedness. I was kind of underwhelmed at the end of it. Really? Be- just because the reputation of this film is, sure. as being like pretty fucked up. Oh, and that's I didn't, fascinating. And I didn't think it was that fucked up. Okay. But there is some pretty... It's pretty fucked up. There's some up. pretty gnarly shit. I mean, she vomits in a yeah. dog bowl and serves it to that, this guy. Well, well, we haven't revealed. In the bag is the record producer. Yeah. Uh, b- we at, think. Right. Yeah. Who she's it, it, like it, it cut fits. off three of his fingers. She's right. cut his tongue out. There was a crime scene at the bar... It was a crime scene at the club that she worked at where they found extra ear, extra fingers, you know, and now we see that those belonged, we believe that those belong to the record producer who is in the bag. Who's in the bag. Who has has been malnourished, dehydrated. She vomits into a dog bowl. And then he what a ha- talent to be able to happily, vomit on command. Hap- it looks like, kind of like that Nagora we drank at the. It did first actually. Uh, oh. And then he happily laps it up. Now, and you can I- see his tongue in that scene, which I was kind of like because his tongue has been cut out. It's supposed to have been, but like mutilated. You can't really slurp anything up without a, a tongue. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do, Carlos. You gotta do what you gotta do. You would think that they would have been able to direct him a little better and I told like, um, some horror buddies of mine. I, I think it goes by plenty horrific enough I don't need any more reality <laughs> it took you out of that. the scene I took me out a little no, bit to be like, oh yeah. there's his tongue yeah. right there so uh-huh. obviously I, I told some horror friends of mine that have been but very... it was real vomit so be happy about that <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> The realism is important. Very eager to know, like, you know, it's kind of fun, actually. Like, so what are y'all doing for all horror? Are y'all going to do, because y'all did Friday the 13th last year. Yeah. Are y'all going to do, do blah, Freddy blah, versus blah. Jason this year? Yeah. Hopefully. Um, we're, we're doing audition. And this, and one of my buddies goes, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. When when I, I can't do eat and puke. Can't, that <laughs> is goes over the line. That is over the top. <laughs> and then we're just getting started. Yeah. You know, because um, he's fingerless and... Uh, Although his tongue is, oh, damn yeah. it! I mean, yeah. didn't it take you right out of the movie? The tongue in that scene. <laughs> Look, I mean, the <laughs> most probably the one of the more gruesome things that has been done to him is that his tongue has been taken out. Because I yeah, mean, sure. there is that wouldn't feel good. Well, and they do. Well, it wouldn't feel good, but also practically, yeah. Like yeah. there is only so much life you can live without your tongue and three of your fingers. I mm-hmm. mean, your ASL or whatever the sign language equivalent in uh-huh. Japan is, is very limited by only having two of your five fingers and you can't speak yeah. and yeah. like not having a tongue, not only can you not speak, but like your ability to eat properly and like not choke on shit is like 
I mean, yeah, it's so, a no, horrific it's, thing I, to think of. So let's get and into so it. And so being able to see his she was, was really kind of, being kind to him by feeding him vomit. At least then he wouldn't choke on the food as much. It's, well, it's, he probably you, still would choke because think about all the wrong piping that can. You know how that like, dude. It's, I think it's all horrific. So like, I just, up. Once she has him sedated from the whiskey, she further sedates yeah. him, almost like a sleep paralysis with some kind of neurotoxin in a syringe, yeah. or he then can still she feel just everything. begins kind of systematically torturing him, right? Because when she broke into his apartment she saw a picture of his ex-wife and he together right. well, his he had made that his yes. de- thank you his deceased wife he had um, promised her I won't love anybody else so you get like a, you do get like a three's company and, she, well, and, and the son and is the she son, takes yeah. umbrage at him <laughs> right. loving his son then she began, no yeah. she was very she was, literal she was you can super only mad. love me poking yeah. him with needles in the most sensitive parts then of his body into his eyes yeah. uh, whispering deeper deeper yeah. that deeper. that shit was crazy because because whatever the japanese word for deeper is it almost sounds like she was clicking her tongue yeah so it was almost like yeah you know yeah. I, like she's like just kind yeah. of making it's gleeful oh, it's, it's a gleeful noise it is then it's so she crazy and pulls out a piano wire and starts sawing his foot <laughs> off not starts saws his foot off and during yeah. the hallucination we see her use that on the ballet teacher yeah to take a head to off. take his head yeah. off because yeah. that that will go through flesh that will go through she bone. talks about how easily it cuts and through bone. that you know i'd seen it before and i was just really 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 not looking forward to this part because yeah. when you it's say carlos gnarly. that it's not it's kind of tame I do it's think not tame, but it, I not not as horrific as you imagined it to be, given the reputation that you'd get. Yeah, yeah. I remember when I said that that there scene were was a, f- a lot longer in my anticipation, like because yeah. of the way that it had been kind of built up. I thought the last like forty minutes was the it's torture just gonna be scene. You know non-stop. what I mean? Then it's pretty I think quick. Be, I, I think hostile with the, style with yeah. the kind of slow build once it hits it because it's intense. Kind of the same with Oni Baba. Like looking back on this film, not having seen it. In years i in my mind think the running time of the final scene of the film was much longer in my head than it really was because it takes on this kind of bigger presence given that it's a huge ending yeah it's such a big punch at the end what the the especially because 45 minutes of it minimum was a rom-com yeah and then all of a sudden she's sawing his foot off do you remember, right. when, remember when i said in evil dead that uh the original uh, part one that there were a few scenes that when i was a kid bothered me and one of them was the pencil to the ankle that that kind of like yeah. like like that um, still bothers me. close-up <laughs> body horror yeah this that's child's play that's cute the pencil to the ankle when, when you're cutting off a foot with a piano wire and i literally can't i i you know, it's not much horror that I have to look away. I have to look away when this is happening. You know, okay. So people, someone's going to think I'm crazy for this. To me, the pencil to the Achilles or like a razor blade to the Achilles, I think that happens in Hostel. I've never seen it before. Also, uh, the um, original Pet Cemetery with an X-Acto knife. Okay, yeah, so stuff like that. I think that freaks me out more than having a foot amputated, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> I, I think that it's easier for me to imagine what that would be like, because I have at some point probably poked myself with something, or I have had a cut in a very okay. like uncomfortable place, you know? But I've never lost an appendage. Yeah. And so I think it's easier for me to be like, oh, fuck, I can kind of imagine how bad that would hurt. Right. And the idea of having an entire limb cut off is in such an 
otherworldly mm. realm of pain that I've never experienced anything that even kind of comes close to it. Yeah. And so it's it's more like fantastical than those other things. And so the foot getting sawed off while incredibly horrific and I am thinking in my head, I can't imagine how bad that would hurt. It's because I actually can't imagine how bad that would hurt, and so like it, it, it doesn't. That's interesting. No, it's, it, but but that's a good point. I, I I get where you're coming from. That it's visually you see something that you can relate to, and you've actually felt pain close to it, and it, you actually maybe feel that pain to a certain extent. Yeah. Whereas you see something that seems so far removed from your experience that you can't possibly even fathom what like yeah i understand what you're saying like yeah seeing it is horrific to me it but is. i can't even imagine what it would feel like Couldn't to have a wire cutting through my bone my son and making w- my son was in town this week and i said hey you want to watch audition with me because that's the one where the chick that's the one where the chick cuts off the guy's foot right like it, it and proceeds you said, see that I, didn't, woman I didn't know that cuts off that foot well, son. Uh, yeah it's, sorry he's, he's in college um <laughs> uh, he has a lot he, on he, still, has, he name. still has hey, a lot that's to learn the one with that chick she works at the brewery no, that's Laverne and Shirley. I said chick on purpose because remember, go back to our American Pie talk. I mean, you call this a romantic comedy, uh, the first well, half of it. How it often slightly do we see men in these kinds of comedic situations? And I think that the tide might be turning. Act so deplorably toward women without consequence. And the beginning of this film. It, a lie is created for him to meet women. Yeah, their relationship and doesn't start on one a that great presupposes foot. women are objects to be taken into. Yeah. Well, like, no, this the setup for this film is such a do. I mean, it's kind of genius, right? Let's set you up for this kind of rom com about men behaving terribly yeah and and maybe but, but, string a few of you along into thinking like oh this is going to be fun to see what uh, yeah. these guys i get. bet she gets her back <laughs> <Yeah>. at the end <laughs> it'll, it'll be cute but, P- but put, because, put a pie in his face something yeah, like that yeah. that's what we're used to but right. it's also even but they more, still love each other at the end yes oh absolutely it's also even more genius that the way you set up that main character who is behaving deplorably towards women you he's set up and like how can you not feel bad for a guy Whose wife? Died. Oh no, he's, he's you know, so, so they he's set so him up so sympathetically, and it's really his friend who's the more lecherous guy, who's like, "You gotta do this. Yeah. Come on, listen." He, but he also sets you up because because Oyama is slightly trepidatious mm. about it at first. He's not sure. all in right away, and he goes to that club and he sees like the obnoxious younger girls, and he gives and, this talk about how the younger generation they're not. <laughs> the way that women should be and why does she <laughs> get picked out of all the auditioner all all the auditioning females because she is subservient she is respectful she can probably oh, yeah. be um uh, because she was beaten into submission by a man well, early well, enough that is the by the patriarchy this, I mean this film is actually profound on gender politics oh, in yeah. its own way. It's distressing and alarming and terribly upsetting, but what it reveals about some of the dynamics that unfold between men and women is insane. I mean, yeah, it's just, so so yeah. when that when uh Jason Biggs sh- uh distributes the naked form of an exchange student across the entire right, school. Right. Yeah. 
that's hilarious, <laughs> right? I mean, that that Folks, was that we didn't feel that, that way about this. Age, no, no, but that was the know, age no. that we lived in. Now you're we right. Look back this was 1999. That, and no yeah. one really gets. I guess he does get us hilarious comeuppance, uh, you know, with in that film. The comeuppance here is it a feminist hurrah or is she fucking crazy or you know? And there's I, five yeah. other five other options because yeah. at the well, end she's of the, ultimately the evil at the end that must be killed. But is she? Well, I mean, hold on. Yes, she is killed. The sun I comes mean, the in, sun kicks is, her down the stairs. Yeah. She, her back is broken. She dies. Her neck is broken. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, literally, the bone is like you can see it protruding, yeah. kind of a little bit from yeah. her neck. And yeah, I like I. I totally agree with what you're saying. Is that there's like well, seventeen different? I mean, well, no. What you're saying I don't is know that what there's the conclusion is yeah. Is there's seventeen different ways that you can interpret this film? I mean, it yeah. is widely disputed and much argued about whether this is a feminist film or whether it's not. And I think Mike himself has even been kind of like, you guys think this is a feminist film? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I don't. Uh, and I think. Like most, there are probably women that cheer that that she fucks this guy over. But his sins, I don't think, are that great compared to the man that that, that abused her as a young. Sure. You know, he, he does the crime her, fit the but... punishment? Probably not. Um, but kind of what she's exacting upon him, and presumably men before him or people before him, is that and and it's hard to say that it's really about the men specifically because she does kill that woman uh maybe out of some kind of jealousy about the record producer guy but the woman who owned the bar she also kills her yeah um so she's not just killing men it's not promising young woman you know um where she's just going after men uh but like most great films i think what this movie is doing is merely asking a myriad of questions, you know, and 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 I, you know, I do like a director and or a screenwriter or a artist slash storyteller of any kind to have a perspective uh, that I, I kind of want that um, to a certain extent, but also I think that it is a rewarding experience to see someone kind of whether it be shed light on the reality of a certain situation or issue, or in this case, uh, take certain aspects of society or behaviors and take them to their absolute most extreme absurdist conclusions Mm -hmm. in order to raise certain questions about the way that society functions and like maybe not have definitive answers because then it gives us these types of conversations about the work right. itself well, what and is, i think that's what, what he's is doing. the answer if i mean what is even the question if you're just exposing some really awful dynamics that unfold with it within human relationships right i mean like this is you know at its base it's it's showing us these characters that we feel like we know they're kind of cookie cutter characters and then it does these things with them that shows us no actually the stuff that humans do to one another, i mean it it it's sets also- us up as if it's a rom-com that we could predict and then ultimately it shows us no actually people are a lot messier than that and mm-hmm. they do these terrible things 
And it does it in this exaggerated way that makes it seem just as extreme and crazy on the other end of the spectrum as it would if they were cookie cutter and stayed in the rom-com. But instead, it leaves us somewhere in the middle where we actually see something of the reality of human relationships in in a weird way by vacillating between those two extremes. You know what I mean? I think rom-coms suffer because they try to distill the man and the woman, or if it's a same gender rom-com, the two men, the two women, whatever, right? Whatever, but the romantic most parties. of the time, the man and the woman are distilled into some kind of idealized notion of what those two things are. Right. When in reality, we learn love from flawed individuals. Yeah. We typically love learn what love looks like in our the home that we grew up in. And if we grew up in an abusive home, it takes a very strong person to break that cycle of abuse and not pass that love that they've learned that that's what love looks like. Yeah. Wrong, yeah. but okay, to the next generation. This is a girl that I believe learned incorrectly that love is torture. That sure. I'm demonstrating just how much I love you. I w- we've kind of joked about it. Mm. I was serious about that promise. And even yeah. though I don't... I, you can't it, love your son, too. Just me. Yeah, even <laughs> though I, I, I don't realize that that's your widow. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, you're, 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 that you are a widower. Yeah. I see a picture of you and a woman. That you have not loved me to my level, I'm going to show you a different type of love when I have you alone in a room together, or back Which, to your, given the glee she takes out of it, was yes, was that even a was that even a uh, a necessary thing for him to do? Like she would she have done this anyway? I mean, she's looking for the excuse. This yeah. is something that it it's like her drive in this love. No, it's it's just it goes toward point, my point. But goes, you're right, Joe. It's, yeah. it's 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 a fascinating kind of character study. It's extreme, and, right? And, and nobody in that patriarchal society that we see. Although I guess there are a few, but very few people are this damaged, right? I mean, like this is an extreme, is an extreme, extreme situation. situation yeah. But it. Like I said, by going to these extremes, it kind of shows us the stuff that actually does drive relationships. Well, the damaged the people... Hold on. In film, in horror, we see damaged people all the time. Hannibal Lecter. I could go on and on. I could go yeah, on and on. Yeah, but they become yeah. monstrous to the point where we don't even connect them. Hannibal's an interesting case, but Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, the ones who we've been talking about earlier in, in All Horror October... Um, at least Leatherface. Michael Myers. Yeah. Leatherface. Um, they take on this kind of, they get so far removed from human relatability that you no longer even need to worry about it's like they are the monstrous other that's like out there that we don't need yeah. to connect with Asami but there is, is dis- a Asami is, Asami is relatable even to the end like it's yeah. not it's not a comfortable relation but it, no. like you understand what motivates her yeah. and what she's doing and the fact that they never built a franchise out of the you know which is good which is good she has in a, in a recent interviews said that she could be interested in in revisiting, in the, revisiting character? the character whoa yeah. like doing a prequel i don't know exactly but she or turning her into a michael myers who is just so powerful she can come back from a broken neck she hasn't done a film since like 2017 i think she decided oh, okay. to take a break okay so and, do we like this movie um, Oh yeah, this movie's great. Um, I think I think the final point that I, I, I would, never need to see this movie that again. I would want to make. <laughs> I think I, I think the final point that I would want to make is a. It does it does seem more than anything to be a commentary on patriarch extreme patriarchal values and relationship dynamics and well, patriarchal especially, values especially well. I, 
but I but I think when, it's when when part of when a person in that system doesn't want to live by that system. But I don't think it's about that. So I think that I think that the extremes that this film goes to is not to say that this particular way of doing things that Japan has traditionally done them is going to lead to this conclusion. I think it's I think the extremes it goes to is a way to make the problems of the system so obvious and so unignorable that it's not necessarily like this is what's going to happen. It's more of just like look at how fucked up this particular story got mm. and how still grounded in reality it is. Doesn't that make you realize that the fact that this story is somewhat believable and somewhat relatable that then illuminates that this patriarch extreme patriarchal system is problematic in some way. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's yeah, kind of I mean that's kind of how I feel about it. The theme I don't of think the it's necessarily film? feminist. I think it's just that you know, a society that values one group of people over another will lead the undervalued group of people to be somewhat damaged in like everything that they do. I'll buy that, but also the idea that you, I mean, something so simple as you can't truly know everything about a person you think you know. Yeah, sure. I mean that. I mean, it just, it, which there. is, which is, which, which I think is only exacerbated in a system because or a, or, a, or a society where one person is seen more as an object than another. I mean, mm-hmm. if you know, we lived, which probably is like not possible and more of like a platonic form than like a real thing. But if we lived in a purely egalitarian society where everybody's everything uh-huh. was valued equally then everybody would be able to share themselves and their thoughts and their feelings and be taken equally as seriously and so you wouldn't have a situation where someone was abused to this degree or to where someone had such harrowing things happen to them that they weren't able to express to anyone or that festered and festered until they sought this level of vengeance against you yeah. know I mean, people yeah. in their lives that they felt wronged them you know things like that and so uh, you but, know i don't know that's, between the but three that's how of i us, felt about it between the three of us there's i would at least, watch this movie again between the three of us there's at least two intelligent people here and as the two intelligent <laughs> folks in the room are trying to figure out what this all means what's what's the point I feel a strong level of empathy toward her, even though she is a horror. But that's the thing sure. that makes the narrative so compelling. Is that is that she is a sympathetic figure as it, because as crazed and insane as she. I mean, I, I say that, and I, I want to check my own language. But the but she's just so gleeful, as you've pointed out. Towards she the end, loves that cutting his foot off. You should. <laughs> oh, she goes crazy. You should she's be so repulsed so by this character at that point that you can't stand to see her. And I, I think what you're saying, Joe, is. I feel it too. She's still somewhat relatable then, which is this the weird thing where you have a monster that is not uh, as monstrous as most monsters. It's somehow both as sort of scary as a monster can be, but also not really a monster. It's, uh, it's, this is a quite a feat to pull off. I understand. <laughs> I saw what you just did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it is. Uh <laughs> In all senses of the word. But <laughs> quite a feat to pull off. Name of the episode. Again. Yeah. The, the, when, when when you put all of these things together and you're able to make it work this way, 
I mean, Takashi Miike deserves all of the accolades that he's gotten over the year, or the respect, the interest. It's interesting to me to, to kind of touch back on something I said with the last film. I have not, after this like moment in the early 2000s where I saw a number of his films, mm-hmm. I have not stayed up with him. He keeps making films. And it's a wide variety a, of films. He's, he's, a deep he's always been somebody who has gone... He's, got, he's made almost as many films. He and Nicolas Cage are like neck and neck. <laughs> and he, right, but with him behind the camera actually having to do all the grunt work, yeah. whereas Cage just shows up on set and, and nails it. You know, Sometimes doesn't say a word. There you go. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I I I really enjoyed this one. Even though, like I said, immediately as the screening was over, I felt slightly underwhelmed. Also, both of these movies have pretty abrupt endings. Yeah, uh, there's one thing they share. Also, killing dogs is something that they share, and that's actually uh, I think <laughs> the killing dogs thing. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the abrupt endings, and that I I associate with Japanese cinema somewhat generally also Chinese cinema and and I feel like it comes up in some Korean films mm-hmm. like there is this willingness to just okay we've come to the end thank you and Done. They, they don't whereas we in the states Hollywood films certainly want to put to a give bow you the on it and like oh yeah. okay let's all attend the funeral and a, a post credit jerk each other off yeah. and we'll have who who made the ham sandwiches oh that's nice okay goodbye folks we'll see you next time <laughs> I don't know you know, I'm, I'm thinking of. Uh, I know, uh, I know what you mean. Yeah. There's, there's a shot where somebody's watching the funeral from very far away. It's yeah, raining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's yeah. in. Or John from Rose talking about, hey, I'll get you a burger like your dad used to love, yeah. and the, you know, like your whack. money, your money. Oh, love you, kid. Don't jerk me off before we go to the wake. <laughs> Well, folks, we've been drinking whiskey the Jerk second half of the episode. we go to the way. <laughs> oh I mean, that's, there's a lot of episode titles up for grabs here. Uh, Kikori, boy, did it deliver a whiskey experience. <laughs> What's our whiskey life before we talk I about hope, Kikori? I hope that you have made it this far in the episode. I, am a, I, I love a scotch. I love a scotch, especially when the weather gets a little cooler. Um Otherwise, I don't I really do whiskey out when I'm pool. out, you know, out and about getting grabbing a cocktail. I guess I'll get a Manhattan or, you know, just a. That seems to be a good badge of, of of what a craft cocktail place can do. Would be a Manhattan or a um, why am an I old fashioned? Thank you, an old fashioned. Yeah. Um, Actually, funny story. Kylie and I went and we got uh, drinks. Um, like lunchtime Saturday drinks with uh, a friend of ours that interned for her briefly named Louise and we went to bus. Mm-hmm. We all walk in, you know, um, I had to go to the bathroom. So I was like, Kylie, just give me whatever, something fun. Uh, I come back and she's like, I just got us margaritas. And I was like, all right. And then I see Louise grab his drink and I'm like, Oh, that's an interesting choice. And then we sit down and he was like, you know, they say that someone who doesn't really know what they want, but wants to seem like they know a lot, at a bar we'll just order an old fashioned every time and I gotta be honest that's what I did <laughs> and it's like the middle of the day right it's like one o'clock in the afternoon or something like that and we're sitting outside it's a cool 70s kind of mm-hmm. day you know but we're sitting in the sun so it's a little hot and he was like I gotta say this is not a very refreshing drink oh yeah it's not. I had a it five really dollar mon- uh, ma- uh, margarita Monday I had a five dollar Monday margarita before I came over here oh shit mm. where at YOLO Okay. Okay. I didn't know they did that there. No, I uh, didn't, either. didn't either. Their cocktails are pretty good. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, what do we think about this one? I, I loved wanna, it. I'll, I don't I'll go, go buy first. a bottle. 
how cool is this? I mean, to me, I, this is exactly the experience I was hoping it would be where I've, I had hoped that the Japanese take on whiskey would be something distinct. Yeah. And at least based on this first experience, it is very different. Yeah. It is much lighter. We knew that on the nose, yeah. and we knew, we knew it just in Less sweet uh, color. color yeah. Right. It, it is fairly dry. But it's got some nice little, like, I'm getting a little vanilla in there. I'm getting a yeah. little, uh, um, almost something kind of citrusy in the background. I just, so refreshing. Drinking this in the sun. I think I could drink this neat in the sun and feel okay. Yeah. Certainly on I ice. How was it on ice? I didn't do that. I personally, I'm a, I prefer on with a, you know, ice cube, yeah. um, mostly because I don't love drinking room temperature liquids um i think that's a slight aversion i have to red wine though i will drink a red wine from time to time but it's certainly not my go-to mm-hmm. i want it i if i'm drinking anything you i would prefer to, it to be hot or cold yeah the in-between isn't an area that i love i think what i said i don't like to do a lot of the uh, bourbons it's that sweetness that the corn you know, creates. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, when I said I'd buy a bottle, it's because this has the flavor, but with the reduction of the sweetness, it's, it, it's, it's stellar. It's, yeah. and, I, and I don't, I, there are whiskey snobs, just like there are beer snobs. I am out of my element. I'm just yeah. telling you, I like this and I would definitely buy a bottle of it. And I think um, most people that try it would, would enjoy it. Yeah. I dug it for sure. Yeah, it is it's a good call. It is very different from the bourbon Got that I am that accustomed foot to. Removal scene. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, it. This is something that will definitely get you through that. Um, <laughs> well, all horror October's over. Oh. Or is it? What? Bonus round next week. <laughs> uh, so we we know what our next week's episode is going to be. I think we have the next few weeks kind of mapped out. So yeah, a lot of films we, to catch up with. We referenced in September before we started our all horror adventure that we were going to be doing all horror October and catch up November. Although because of the size of the town we live in, not all of it is catching up for us necessarily because we haven't gotten the French Dispatch here yet and. Um, there might be something else too. Anyway, um, but next week we are going to be talking about Last Night in Soho and Lamb, which arguably are two horror films. Lamb, I think, is more inarguably a horror film. But David and I did get into an argument about whether or a discussion about whether Last Night in Soho is going to be a horror film or not. Um, but that's what we're doing next week. The, the trailer's selling it with a lot of horror See, themes. that's what I said, too. David disagreed. I, I didn't feel that way from the trailer. Well, there's, but two, well, there's two trailers now. The first trailer, there was... And if you haven't already, anyway. go to Spotify or to Anya Taylor-Joy's Instagram um, because she does sing the song Downtown mm-hmm. that's featured in the trailer. She's the one singing that. And on her Instagram, she put up the whole video for the full recording of the song that she did for the film, which... Apparently, she did multiple different versions of it. This one is the down-tempo version that you hear in the trailer, and it is very good. Um, so we're going to be talking about that. We've talked about Edgar Wright before. Well, I think but, all three of us talked about our love for her and the uh, love on Taylor Joy uh, in, in all in our after, after hours. Yeah, love the Queen's Gambit, but I also love The Witch. I love Thoroughbreds. Uh, I liked her in The Split franchise yeah, um, yeah unbreakable franchise 
you know, I didn't put that together till just now. Yeah, yeah so far, I don't think that I've seen her in anything where I thought, well, she phoned it in. You know, no. uh, I've, I've I've really enjoyed her in everything. I'm looking forward to that episode. So I've, that's I, David so, yeah. and I have seen Lamb, and by the time you hear this, the okay. one night I, only screening will already was, have happened. Oh yeah, it will already have happened. I was going to ask you if you had seen it in yeah, after I saw hours because the I'm going to be watching it tomorrow. Yeah, which is I'm yesterday watch if you're too. watching the if you're listening to this the day it came out. Uh, but yeah, all horror October bonus round just by virtue of the way the release dates lined up. Mm-hmm. Last night in Soho coming out at the very very tail end of October, right. so we couldn't actually fit it into an October release date but um, the great I possibly the best thing about this podcast is that the uh, conversation does not end when the episode ends it continues on all of your favorite social media channels you can find us on Twitter at Beer Movie Show Instagram at Beer and a Movie Facebook.com slash Beer and Movie TX Beer and Movie Podcast.com not only has a link to listen to all of our past episodes absolutely for free but it has this fantastic map of all of the beers from all of the breweries and all of the states and all of the countries that we have enjoyed on 160 plus episodes of this fine program uh also you heard us mention after hours what is what is that you ask uh <laughs> it is our patreon uh we are on patreon at patreon.com slash beer movie podcast five dollars a month gets you a bonus episode every single week we do talk about beer we do talk about movies we also talk about a great many other things television our personal lives uh books that we're reading podcasts other podcasts that we're listening to records that we love uh we eh, Anything is up for grabs on the After Hours episode, so do not sleep on that. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please rate, review, and subscribe. That helps us out a great deal. What really helps us out, though, is that you give us that five-star rating, which you already, which we already know you're going to do, and leave a written review telling us what you like, what you don't like, what you want to see more of in the future. It really helps the algorithm do what it do so that more people find out about this fantastic program that you all love already. And that's it for me. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Words create lies. Pain can be trusted.